Well, Merry Christmas Eve to you all. I'm excited to be here tonight to focus our attention on Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we gather here this evening because we believe that Jesus was not only born as a baby 2,000 years ago, but that Jesus is the King of kings, He is the Lord of lords, and that He is our only hope. So God, I pray in the busyness of this week and even this evening, Lord, that you would help just calm our hearts, Lord, that you would help the gaze of our souls to be upon Jesus. Lord, even Jesus' invitation that we find in Matthew chapter 13, where he says, come all who are weary, come all who are heavy laden, and find rest. God, I pray that we'd rest by focusing on who he is and what he's done. In Jesus' name, amen. Christmas is a time of anticipation. One of my favorite uh, new Christmas traditions over the last couple of years is waking up on Christmas morning to the smell of my wife's delicious cinnamon rolls. This has become one of my favorite aspects of Christmas. It used to be the gifts, used to be seeing family and friends, and even used to be watching my kids open up their their presents on Christmas for them to be filled with wonder and with joy. But now, it's about the cinnamon rolls. Cinnamon rolls, they they do something. They fill me with, with this anticipation. Like even days before Christmas, like even now, my mind starts to wander towards thinking about them, those hot, delicious, covered in icing treats. See, I know what's going to happen tomorrow. I've been around, you know, these girls for the last couple of years now. They, they will wake me up at 5.07 in the morning. They'll just jump on me, and they're ready to go. They're ready to open up presents. And, you know, even before I've, you know, had my coffee and, and time in the Word, and, and, I, and I'm starting to become grouchy a little bit. But if I can smell those cinnamon rolls, like, I know everything's going to be okay. Even, even, you know, all the money we spend on these gifts, all the anticipation for that moment, And the girls, they'll rifle through their gifts in about 12 minutes on to the next thing. But those cinnamon rolls we will enjoy all day long. See, anticipation has a certain power to it. There's something that that, that comes with anticipation that, that drives us. And the reason for that is because anticipation is connected to hope. In other words, what we put our hope in we actually anticipate the object of our hope to satisfy us. See, Christmas is a time of anticipation. It always has been. And whether you're young or old, we're all anticipating something during the Christmas season. We're all longing for something. Some of us are longing and anticipating opening up a certain kind of presence around the Christmas tree. Others of us are anticipating that, uh, that delicious Christmas dinner, you know, in the certain type of environment that we're longing for. Others of us are longing and anticipating that sense of togetherness, being with our family and our friends, the people that we love. And yet what's interesting is that what's underneath that anticipation, what's even driving that anticipation is the object of your hope. And this evening, I just want to ask you the question of, what are you putting your hope in? What are you truly looking to, to satisfy the longings of your soul? So the next couple of minutes, I just want us to consider the fact that if God truly has created you and created me as these hope-filled and hopeful creatures, 
then the object of our hope must be something that is big enough in order to truly satisfy us, not just one day a year, not just over the course of a lifetime of 70, 80, 90 years, but we need to put our hope in something, or more specifically, someone that will satisfy us for all of eternity. We need to put our hope in Jesus Christ. So a couple verses I want to share with us this evening come from uh, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. If you're uh, new with us here this evening, you need to know that our church family, we've been walking through the gospel of John over the last year and a half. We just actually finished that study last Sunday, and we looked at 21 chapters at the life and the work of Jesus Christ. And what's interesting about John's gospel is that he actually provides the purpose statement for why he wrote the book. And he says this, he says towards the end of, of this gospel, he says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. What's so interesting is that John writes 21 chapters worth of material, talking about Jesus's miracles, Jesus's teachings, Jesus's compassion, so that you and I may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Now, here's why that matters on Christmas Eve. It's because if the purpose of John's gospel is truly for us to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then the purpose of Christmas, the purpose of Jesus coming down as a baby, is for us to believe in Jesus and to put our hope in him so that we might, how's that leaf, uh, reef just fell, uh, so, that we, so that we might put our hope in Jesus and be satisfied with him forever and ever. Such a good point that the reef falls. A couple of things I want to point out about these verses. Number one, John is telling us that believing in Jesus actually results in receiving eternal life. That's exactly what he says here. He says, these are written so you might believe in Jesus, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you actually receive something. You receive life in his name. And John's talked about this life throughout his whole gospel. And, and what he means by that is life to the fullest now in the present, but also life to the fullest forever and ever in eternity with Jesus Christ, because we'll be with him face to face in glory. And so think about this with me. John has written all of these things about the beauty and the power and, and the amazing reality of who Jesus is in order to drive you to making a decision about who Jesus is. And if you've ever read John's gospel, like you can't read it without being enthralled with who Jesus is. I mean, you see these teachings, you see the, the miraculous powers, you see his, his loving kindness and it moves you towards thinking about who Jesus is and his great love for us. And you can't help but, but at least being curious about who he is, at least being intrigued about who this Jesus person actually is. Even when you get towards the end of John's gospel, it, it, it's so interesting. Jesus, towards the end of his life, he, he gets up on this cross and he dies in the place of sinners, and reading John's gospel, if you've ever read it for the first time, you, you get to that point and it makes you scratch your head. Like, what is Jesus doing? Jesus, he's never sinned. He's never fallen short. He, he's never made a mistake. 
And yet he gets up on this, this Roman torture tool in the place of sinners like you and me. And what John is saying there is, if you actually put your faith and believe that Jesus died not just for the sins of the world, but that Jesus died for your sins, what John is telling us, what the word of God is telling us is that you actually receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life forever and ever. See, for John, believing in Jesus means that you are declaring to God that I cannot save myself. There's nothing that I can do. There's no goodness in me. There's, there's not enough amount of good works that I can perform in order for God to approve of me because his standard is perfection. And so that's why believing in Jesus, we're saying that we need someone beyond ourself in order to save us who is Jesus Christ. And it's amazing that John says you actually receive eternal life by believing in him. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, isn't that why we celebrate Christmas? Like we don't, we don't celebrate Christmas just because God came down in the form of a baby and was born of a virgin, but we celebrate Christmas because he did that and then he lived a sinless life and he died to bring us forgiveness and to bring us eternal life. That is where we should put our ultimate hope in. So that's the first thing that John tells us. But then the second thing that he says here, basically throughout John's gospel, is that it is impossible in order to stay neutral towards Jesus. If you think about this, John's written 21 chapters and he's driving and he's moving us, the reader, in order to make a decision about him. And John only gives us two choices. You either accept Jesus by believing in him or you reject him by not believing in him. For John and, and for Christianity, there's no, there's no staying on the fence. There's no kind of trying to be neutral about Jesus. That, that's a form of rejection. And so everything in John's gospel, everything in the word of God, God is driving you to decide what will you do with Jesus. That we have this clear picture of Jesus being the king of kings, which means the, the right response to that is by surrendering your life and following exactly what he says. And so that's the purpose of Christmas, that we celebrate Christmas because God in Jesus tells us exactly what God is like, that we don't have to wonder anymore. We look at the life of Jesus through the gospels to, to see what, what is God like? What, what does God think about me? And what Jesus declared in John 3.16 is that God so loved the world that God loves you, God loves me be beyond our sin, beyond our mistakes so much that God sent Jesus to die in your place. And so my challenge for you during this Christmas season is when you look at the manger this Christmas season, I want to challenge you, when you look at it, see the invitation that's there for you. See the invitation that God in Jesus has for you to actually be rescued from your sin, See the invitation to, to have your sins be forgiven. See this invitation to have this life-changing relationship with the God of the universe who wants to lavish his love and to lavish his purpose upon your life. The great power and the great amazement of Christmas is not in the gifts. It's not in the decorations. It's not even in the family and the festivities and the great cinnamon rolls. But what lies at the heart of Christmas and what whispers to every human soul 
is the most stunning and significant fact in all of human history, that God became one of us, not for show, but for salvation, not to inaugurate a new holiday, but to woo us into a relationship with him that is centered upon the work and person of Jesus Christ. See, Christmas is God's announcement that hope has come, that hope is found in Jesus Christ. And so I just want to encourage you, if if you haven't placed your hope, your faith, your belief in Jesus for the salvation of your soul, I just want to encourage you to consider that even this evening, to, to just pray a simple prayer to the God of the universe, to cry out to him and say, God, I put my faith in you to forgive me of my sins. I accept by faith your free gift of eternal life in order to be saved. It's that simple in order to start a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And so even as we continue on in our worship tonight, I pray that you would be filled with the wonder and the awe that Jesus came down, the King of Kings came down and lived a perfect life to die the death that you should have in order to bring hope for your soul. Let's pray together. God, we thank you and praise you for King Jesus. God, help us never to get over the the wonder of Christmas Lord, help all the good things of Christmas, like, like family and festivities and the food and the, and the gifts and the decorations. Help those good things not to crowd out the ultimate thing, which is Jesus. So God, I pray that we would truly make room in our hearts to adore Jesus. And we give you praise for him in Christ's name. Amen.